Hey, the world's full of fantastic music. Each month, we explore an album of significance, its roots, how it makes us feel, and then banter about its influence and staying power. Join us on our journey as we dissect, discuss, and discover some of the world's greatest albums on The Sonic Collective. Hello, music lovers, and welcome to The Sonic Collective's pick for June 2022. I'm Scott Coates, and this month I considered a wide range of picks, from Illmatic from NAS to Dub Side of the Moon by the Easy Star All-Stars to Black Sabbath's debut album, and even In the Court of the Crimson King by King Crimson. But after a bit of consideration and without listening to any of the songs on the album, which is very odd for me to make a pick without listening to any of the tracks, I settled on Unknown Pleasures, the debut album by Joy Division. It was also the only Joy Division album to include lead singer Ian Curtis. It was recorded over just three weekends between the 1st and 17th of April, 1979, and released on June 15th, 1979. Wow. The speed with which albums were recorded and released back then is incredible. I've drawn heavily from Wikipedia on the background here. And while the album did not attract much attention when it came out, there were no singles released. It has since gone on to be credited by most musical publications and experts as one of the most influential albums of its time and format. I've heard of the strange legacy of Ian Curtis, the lead singer who committed suicide in May 1980, mentioned on a number of episodes of the ongoing history of new music with Alan Cross, and was intrigued but never actually dove into Joy Division. And when I started out as a DJ at Lloyd's Recreation in Calgary as a teenager, Blue Monday and Bizarre Love Triangle by New Order were huge hits, and some of the original 12-inch singles I learned how to beat mix on. But at that time, I had no idea that Joy Division was the precursor to New Order, and it's now time to see where their roots came from. This album employed a number of interesting production techniques pushed by producer Martin Hannett, who believed that punk rock was sonically conservative because it refused to use studio technology to create sonic space. He used several AMS 1580s digital delays, uh, a Marshall time modulator, tape echo and bounce, as well as the sound of a bottle smashing, someone eating crisps, backwards guitar, and the sound of the Strawberry Studios lift with a Leslie speaker whirring inside, as well as even the sound of a basement toilet. The poster design or the cover of the album was designed by Peter Seville and it is now completely iconic and it has been borrowed in many forms including even that I saw the logo of a pizza shop once but he made this image using radio waves from a Pulsar CP1919 from the Cambridge Encyclopedia of Astronomy reversing the image from black on white to white on black and it was originally printed on a textured card for the album when it was released so as mentioned I've not listen to a single track is because I want to have this experience with my so fellow Sonic Collective members. I've heard this album mentioned enough times over the years from enough people, from enough sources that I'm confident it's got to be a worthy pick to push our musical knowledge and scope further. Enjoy the Sonic journey ahead. Thanks for listening and exploring with us. We'll be back real soon with another pick and critique of albums that matter here at the Sonic Collective.